Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Hello, testing. Good morning, everyone. All right, you guys are awake. I'm usually not awake at this time. And um, so great to be here today with you this morning. Let's go ahead and let's dismiss the Sunday school. God is so good. Let's give them a big hand. All right. I'll tell you that God is doing great things amongst us in this church. And um, I'm glad that so many people went off. Um, this weekend to Arizona for this uh, marriage conference. And I'll tell you, that's the biggest investment you can ever make in your life, is to invest in your home, invest in your marriage. And it's the cornerstone, it's the foundation of it all. And when you put Christ, the cornerstone, in your marriage, and the godly principles in your marriage, it works. And when a man stands up to do what he's supposed to do, everything works. And uh, I thank God for men like the people we have in this church that have chosen to do that. And so um, I believe they get back here today and uh, we pray for their safe arrival home. And in the meantime, I want to share the word of God with you. Pastor Joaquin asked me to share the word today and I'm always excited. Um, I, I, never, uh, I never doubt when he asks me, I never think about it, I immediately say, absolutely, I love it. I love sharing God's word, and I'm excited to be with you here this morning. Let's go ahead and let's stand up today, and let's stand up for the hearing of God's word. And let's go ahead and let's go to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, leave your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Verse two, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you. I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for being so good in our lives. We thank you for your word. For the grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word, Lord, always stands forever. And we know today your word will stand. It will stand in fertile soil as you prepare the hearts of your people. And I pray that you minister to everybody here and that we leave here, God, with a different perspective of who you are, that we leave here transformed, renewed, refreshed in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today's message is called Breakthrough. If you're taking notes, you want to write that down. Breakthrough. And, I, and, and whether it's your, uh, whether, whether whatever it is in your life, we're always seeking a breakthrough in our life, in different areas of our life. 
And whether it's your family, whether it's your marriage, whether it's relationships, maybe it's your health, or maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your career, or even your walk with God, we're always looking for a breakthrough in our life. Maybe it's a spiritual breakthrough in your life. But we're always seeking that breakthrough where we're at the fence and where we seem like we just need a little bit more to have that breakthrough, to have that promise being fulfilled in our life. And a lot of us give up right before that breakthrough. And I hope today you'll be encouraged not to give up, but to know that there's a promise on the other side. If you just stand firm, you stand strong and believe and have faith in him. And uh, as we just read, there's nobody better than to hear the story of Abraham in his life. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. And, and some of us, like Abraham, God is calling you to a place where you're at, out of it, to a place that God has for you. In whatever area that may be that you're looking for a breakthrough, God is calling you out of the place where you're at, of the way that you think. He want, it doesn't mean that he wants you to pack up your bags and leave your house. But he is telling you that where you're at with the way you live, where you're at with the way you think, he wants you to get out of that place, that place of limitation in your life, that you're limited with what you think, you're limited with the way you live, and he wants, you to, ta- he wants to take you out into a land, into a place where his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, where his ways are way better than your ways. And that's when breakthrough occurs, when you allow that to happen in your life. And he wants you to get out of that place. It's a promised land. It's a land where I want to make you famous. In verse 2, he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. He's going to make him famous, he says here. I don't know about you, but it's great to be just a famous person, isn't it? And uh, Abraham, he really is a famous person because even songs are written about him. I mean, we sing it all the time. Everywhere you go in church, you hear his song. You don't believe me, do you? You can hear it in the hallways of Sunday school. And it goes like this. Everybody sing together. Ready? One, two, three. Father, come on, had many, many sons. You know it? Come on, louder. I am one of them. Woo! Oh, let's praise the Lord. That's right, amen. All right, we got some people that went to Sunday school. That's good. But the truth is we're singing songs about this man. That's how famous he is. Can you imagine just having a song about you? And people, everybody knowing your song about how faithful you were. But, it, but when it came to faithfulness, when it came to obedience, Abraham's name was there. And he says, I'm going to make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And look how awesome this ends. It says, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, other people are going to be blessed through you. Not only are you going to be blessed, not only are you going to have an abundance, but through you, other people are going to have an abundance. That's how much I'm going to give you, God says. 
And, but you've got to leave the country. I'm telling you to leave. You've got to leave your family behind. God is so good. And he wants to bless all the families of the earth through you. But there's a slight problem here. There's one small problem here. And we read it in the very next verse. Verse 4. You've got to pay attention to this. It says, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. That's called obedience. When you listen to the Lord, the Lord tells you to leave this land, to leave this place, and go to the place where I'm telling you to go. He has no idea where he's telling him to go, but all he did, he departed, he left, and, the, and he went where the Lord had spoken him to go to. And it says that Lot went with him. Why did Lot go with him? For those who don't know, Lot is Abraham's nephew. And the last time, I don't know about you, but the last time I looked up nephew, that means family. Nephew is family. And just a few verses before, God told him, leave your country and leave your family. Why did he take Lot with him? It drives me crazy when I read this because I don't get it. Why did he take Lot with him when God says, don't take your family, leave your family behind? And this is a great moment for me to tell you that partial obedience is still disobedience. I'll say it again. Partial obedience is still disobedience. And so he partially was obedient to him. Because he did listen to God and he left where he was because God told him to leave. But he was partially obedient and he was partially disobedient because he took his family with him. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Isn't it funny how we like to treat God's commandments as suggestions? We don't treat God's commandments as commandments. Like, all right, God, is this what you want for me? I'm going to do it? No, we take them as suggestions. Like, that's a good idea. We pick and choose which commandments we want to obey, the ones that feel good to us. And many of us are reaping today consequences. Many of us are reaping issues in our lives because we treat his commandments as suggestions. Today, you're reaping those things because you've chosen that. You've chosen to pick and choose which commandments you want to obey and not all the commandments, not to fully obey it. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Don't be shocked when you reap the consequences of your disobedience. And on the other side, on the other hand, obedience, a life of obedience, there is blessing like you've never seen before. You have no idea. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things God has for you. But that's for obedience. So Abraham took his nephew Lot along with him when God told him specifically to leave your family behind. And if you go a chapter later and you read chapter 13, verse 14, and we're reading in the NIV, look what happened here. This is so interesting. It says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had departed from him. Notice this for a second. He's with Lot all this time. But the moment that Lot departed from him, the moment Lot was out of the picture, it says, God told him, 
lift up your eyes from where you are and look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. Can you see that far away? Verse 15, all the land that you see, everything you see around you, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Isn't that powerful? Verse 16, I will make your offspring like the dust. I'll make your generation like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, I don't know if you've got a dirty house. But if you have just a beam of light shining through your house and you just see that dust in the air, it's a little disgusting, isn't it? Because you're breathing all that dust in. But if you were to count all those little particles, all those little specks, he's telling him, you can't count that. He's saying, that's how many descendants you're going to have. You are blessed. And your offspring, then your offspring could be counted Isn't that powerful that the moment Lot departed from him, that's when he received his inheritance of this land that was all around him. This is when he received the blessing that he told him, you're going to have an offspring. So it brings me to my first point. And if you're writing notes, we're going to write three, we're going to say three things you can do in order to have a breakthrough in your life. We're going to go over three things you can do in order to have a breakthrough in your life. And number one, you've got a lot to get rid of. If you're writing notes, write that down. You've got a lot to get rid of in your life. And I don't know what your lot is in your life. Maybe it's the people you hang around with. It's just the wrong crowd. It's your friends. And it's amazing that if you have this lot in your life, you will miss out on what God has for you. He's instilled a dream in your life. He's, just, he's put a, a vision in your life. But because we have a lot in our life, we miss out on that dream. We miss out on that promise. We miss out on that blessing. You've got a lot to get rid of. What is your lot in your life here today? Maybe you're li- living a life of sin. Something that's taking place behind closed doors where nobody is looking. Maybe it's an addiction that you have. Something you can't just let go of that is so hard for you to let go of. What's the lot in your life? Maybe it's your anger. Maybe it's your anxiety that you have. That could be the lot in your life. Maybe it's idols you have. You say, I don't like bow down and worship statues. You don't have to. All you got to do is reach for your pocket and look at some idols that you carry around with you. Not only do you come and bow down before, but you read it everywhere you go. You communicate with everybody but God. You spend time um, posting and texting and reading and calling people and, and, and stalking people, knowing what they do all day long. But God wants you to speak to him. And this becomes an idol in our life. I shared about a month ago that it's crazy the percentage of people that wake up in the morning. I believe it was 80% of the people wake up in the morning and reach for their cell phone within the first 15 minutes of their day. Wow. Can you imagine if we were just to replace this with this and we were to wake up in the morning within the first 15 minutes and pick this up instead? 
The statistics are scary about this because it says that I think it's over 80-something percent of the people take this even to the bathroom. That's disgusting. That means eight out of ten of you here take this to the bathroom. I don't ever want to use your cell phone in my life. I'll use my own phone or I'll go get a pay phone. But whatever it is, the lot that's in your life, you need to get rid of it. Because these, these things in your life will steal, will steal all that God has for you in your life. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And this is powerful. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says, Abram, don't be afraid. Listen to me. Don't be afraid, God is telling him. I'm your shield. You can have enemies come against you, but remember who your shield is. You may not have all the physical armor, but you've got the greatest thing. I'm your shield. I'm your armor. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. And your very great reward, he says there in verse 1. He's your very great reward. I have a tremendous blessing to give you to you in your life. But Abraham responds like many of us would respond. Verse 2. O sovereign Lord. O great one. O mighty God. What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. What can you give me? Understand something for a second. That he was beforehand, he was promised to be the father of many nations. He was promised to have many descendants. So he's saying, what can you give me? I'm already old. I'm in my 80s. When you're in your 80s, you're not thinking about how much more you can get. You're thinking about how much more you can leave for your children and for those that you love and for your descendants. You're not thinking about yourself anymore. And he's saying, what can you give me? You said you're, that, that, that I'm your great reward and you're going to give me this great reward in my life. But that's not what I need. What do I have since I remain childless? I don't have a child. In fact, the servant that lives in my house is going to inherit everything that I have, everything that I own. So verse 3, Abraham said, you have given me children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. He will have everything. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. Here's a promise for you, Abraham. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your, from your own body will be your heir. You see, God already promised Abraham that he's going to be a father of many nations. He's already declared his word over his life. But what is Abraham doing? He's sitting there in doubt and saying, God, I can't see a way through. I can't see a breakthrough. You haven't given me a child. So how can this promise come to pass? How can the inheritance be passed on to my kids? I don't even got one. How many times have God dropped, again, a vision in your life? A dream in your life. A promise in your life. About what we can do for him. 
about what he's going to do in your life. But we sit there and we analyze and we look at our circumstances and we say, I don't know how this is going to happen. This can't be possible, God. Look at me. I'm limited. I don't have a good enough education. I don't have enough money. I don't have a great inheritance. How can this happen, God? How can I truly benefit and have what you promised me to have? So God gives us this dream. God gives us this passion. God gives us this blessing in our life. But we focus on our circumstance, where we're at right now. And there's the problem. So number two, we're going to read it in verse four. And look what happens to Abraham. He's telling him, no, you don't get this. Verse 5, he took him outside. He took him outside. He was in his tent. He took him outside of his tent, and he says, look up at the heavens. Stop walking around with your head down. Like, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm pacing around in my tent, and God is telling you to get out of your tent. And he wants you to look up at the heavens and count the stars. And if indeed you can count them all, then he said to him, so shall be your descendants. Wow. He's saying, look up at the stars. Next time you're outside and it's a very clear day, beautiful night, romantic time for you and your wife, and you're just out there and you have nothing else to do but count the stars and have a great, wonderful night, start to count them. You know, there's stars you can't even see that are there. I looked it up, and, and astrologers say that there's 10 to the 21 power. I don't even know what that is in zeros, and I forgot my math a long time ago. But I looked it up, and it's like something called sextillion stars. I don't know how many. It's just a lot of stars, stars that you don't even see. And the same thing with Abraham. He's telling him, I'm going to give you the sentence that you, that you don't even see from right now, but I see the big picture. I see what I have for you. And there's a breakthrough coming. So number two, number one, was you've got a lot to get rid of. Number two, you've got to get out of your tent. You've got to get out of your tent. You've got to get out of your way of thinking. You've got to get out of your circumstance, of your unbelief, of your worry, of your fear, of your inability. I can't do this, God. You've got to get out of that. Because it's not you that's going to do the work. It's God that's going to do the work. But we fail to trust in him. You've got to get out of your tent. And you've got to take, you've got to stop putting your head down and start looking up to him. And looking up to his promises. Looking up to what he's promised you in his word and believing it. That's what you need to start doing. Abraham is focused on his current circumstance. While God is speaking his promise over his life. And he keeps questioning everything he lacks. You know, the devil came in John 10, 10, he says, the devil came to kill, to steal, and destroy. He came to take your joy away. He came to take even your belief, your faith away. So that you are in this tent of yours going crazy, pacing around. But God says, I've come to give you life. And not just life, but give you a lot of it abundantly, so much that you can't handle it. See, 
We read this verse so many times that God's come to give us life and life in abundance, but we just like, oh, it's a, such a cute little verse. It's so awesome. Yeah, amen. But do we really believe that God's come to give you life and life in abundance? He's come to bless you and bless you abundantly. Do you believe that this morning? But you walk around in your tent complaining, my life stinks. I hate my job. I hate my boss. Maggie, don't you dare say that. I can't stand my wife. My kids are annoying. It's raining outside. It's hot outside. I work long hours. I don't have enough money. What's your complaint about? But let's focus on his promises. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. See, God knows the plans he has for you. They're plans to prosper you, and they're not to harm you. God never has something that's for you that is to harm you. It's for your best. It's for your best. You are his child. He's your father. And a father always wants to give his child the best. There's nothing better than me, my, as me being a father to give my children the best. I'll do everything for them. I'll lay down my life for them. Whatever the cost, whatever the price, I will lay it down for them. I will give it to them. I won't spoil them. But I will make sure to bless them. I will make sure to favor them. He's got plans for you, declares the Lord. He declares this on your life. Plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, but to give you hope. When you don't have hope, when you're in your tent and there's like, I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. I don't have hope. I give up. I throw in the towel. He came to give you plans to give you hope and a future. So many of us are worried about our future. In our current circumstance, we're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. God is telling you to give him today and let him be concerned about your tomorrow. Let him be in charge of your tomorrow. The Bible says that, why worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow, has, today has an, enough worries as of itself. You're going to have to deal with today. So what's the point of worrying about tomorrow? When I got married, I got a job working at the Federal Reserve Bank. And uh, it was a huge blessing because before I got married, I got married in faith. <laughs> I had to graduate at a, by a certain time. Because I needed to make sure I had a degree. And it was the blessing that was spoken over me. You better finish school before you get married. Because if you don't have an education, then Kenny, you may not be able to get the job you want to get to in the field that you're in. And my field requires an education. I'm in the tech technical industry, in the IT industry, and it requires an education. And so I finished my degree and it's amazing that I'm in here in faith and I'm getting married a few months after. Just two weeks before I got married, I'm here jobless. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's pretty crazy. And I don't recommend to do this. But I found a job working at a very good company called American Express. And as I started to work there, I worked there just I, as soon as they gave me the job offer, I told them, listen, thank you for the, for the job, but I got to ask you one thing. I'm getting married in two weeks. Can I please take two weeks off? <laughs> I know it's early, but please. I love my wife. 
my wife-to-be. And so they said, yes, you are granted your two weeks. And I'll tell you, it was God's promise on my life taking care of me every step of the way. And a few months later, I got a better job working at the Federal Reserve Bank here in Doral. And it was a great company to work for. It was a government company. And just a year after working there, in over 60 years of the Federal Reserve Bank, of this building being open, not one person has ever been laid off, yet they laid off over 100 people. And so many people lost their jobs over people that have been there for over 30 years, and I was one of them because I was only there a year. We already had just bought in a house, our very first house. I'm only a year and some married. I have a new house. Months later, Jenny gets pregnant. So now I, I have a new house, a new baby on the way, and no income. And I start to doubt, I start to fear, what are we going to do, honey? And, we, and, I, and I'm in my tent, and I'm pacing around, and I'm freaking out that what's going to take place in my life because I'm going to have to put this house for sale, like right now, or one day it's going to come out in foreclosure. So I had no choice but to start my own business. And it was a difficult task ahead of me. It was a difficult road. I didn't make enough money to pay our food my first year of business. And so time and time went on. Weeks went by. Months went by, and I had to be a good steward of what I had. And at that moment, I told my wife, that's it. We've never had debt. I know we've only been married for about a year and a half. But now we are in debt because we've used our credit card just for food and our needs and, and, and our necessities, and we just can't pay for it. We're going to have to be good stewards, and let's just put the house for sale, and then we'll just work it right through. I got a job offer to work at a very big company, Elizabeth Arden. And I, they told me, you've got the job and you're going to be the head IT guy for all of the locations. You've got a lot of opportunity, a great future ahead of you here because there's, there's a big corporate ladder for you to go up in. And I'm looking at what I'm making. I'm looking at my situation and I'm looking at this job offer. But she told me, the lady told me it comes with one thing that I haven't told you yet. You're going to be traveling four to six times a month. And sometimes you may travel for a week. So I look at my circumstance and I say, I've, I'm just, I just got married just a year and some ago. I've got a newborn on the way. And the life that I'm going to live away from my family isn't worth this salary I'm going to live. I'd rather sell my house, live in efficiency with my house and spend time with my family. And it was a step of faith. It was a test in my life. And I didn't take that job offer even though it, was, it felt like it was the most important decision in my life. So I decided to continue my business. But things didn't work out. And I remember getting into this big debt. And I told my wife, I go, Jen, I don't know what we're going to do anymore. And that's it. We need to throw in the towel and give up. And she says, no, I believe God gave us this house. I believe that God gave you your own business. But I'm not making money. Yes, but God gave it to you. And I thank God for the wife I have that told me, you know what, Kenny? 
We need to get on our knees and really ask specifically. We always pray to God. We're on fire for him. We talk to him. We go to church. We worship him. But we've never truly asked God to bring clients into this business and grow this business. It was never a specific prayer. And God showed something to my wife that moment that we need to have specific prayers to God. Don't be general about it. But be, have faith and believe and trust in the Lord in specific areas in your life. And as we started to pray and we got on our knees that night, I'll never forget it. We said, Lord, pour out your provision by bringing new clients, client so-and-so, client this client, so-and-so. And if it's your will, this will take place. If it isn't, show us and we'll go to the land where you want us to go to. But if this is the plan you have for us, let it be. And it's amazing that as we, as the, as the day went by, as the weeks went by, I couldn't believe something was happening before my eyes. Something supernatural took place where I was able to, to pay off my debt in just one month. And I was able to have income for the next three months. In just one month, I was able to make that to pay off the debt. I was able to have income to not only pay my debt, but to pay my, my, all my expenses for the next three months. And since that moment, there was no debt in my life as I grew a business. And I wasn't living um, with, with, with lots of money. I was, he was always giving me enough for the day. But I remember that God gave me a promise where he told me, Kenny, don't worry about it. I'm in charge of your future. And in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he told me this. This is the promise he gave me. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, Kenny, and what you'll eat and what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He says, look at the birds of the air. When they're flying around, do they even worry about anything? They just soar like... Nothing's going on. I'm just enjoying life. And they're just living their life. They go and grab a little straw. And they go and take it and make a little nest there. They go and grab. And just peacefully with no worries. And we're here going crazy. Trying to, I don't know, trying to live the way we want to live. But here the birds have no worries. And God's providing for them. He says, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than these little birds? I love you. I've got great plans for you. Why are you worrying about it? Next verse. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Verse 31. So do not worry. Get out of that tent. What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But verse 33 changed my life forever. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first me, Kenny. And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. All the promises will be given to you. I'll tell you the greatest thing that ever took place in my life financially was losing my job. The greatest thing. I was able to grow a business to a point 
where my f- schedule becomes flexible and I'm able to serve the Lord with that time. It's not more time to be more free and enjoy it and go on vacations more often. No, it's time that I asked God. That was my heart. That's the dream he gave me to serve the Lord more, to serve him more. So he gave me a business that I can have more time to serve him. And that was the breakthrough in my life. What's the breakthrough in your life? But you need to get out of your tent honoring him. I began to tithe. I began to be a good steward. If I've never... If I was never laid off, I would have never started my business. If I had never started my business, I would have never been serving the way I was. I would have been a slave to who knows who and not to God. So that leads me to the next point and my last point, number three. You've got to trust in the Lord. Number one, you've got a lot to get rid of, whatever that lot is. Number two, you've got to get out of your tent. Whatever that is, your circumstance, your own belief, your worry, your fears, your inability. And number three, you've got to trust in the Lord. You say, I hear that all the time. There's one thing with trusting the Lord with your faith, like saying, I believe. But there's another thing saying, I believe, and now you move towards that direction. Because faith without works is dead. It's useless. You can say, I believe that in the name of Jesus. But if you don't do that in the name of Jesus, don't expect anything. You need to trust in God. And you're going to trust God not by just what you say, which is important. You need to confess that and say God's in control. God is in control of my circumstance. You need to confess that. But you need to walk towards that and believe in God. Trust in Him. Let's go back to verse 6. Look what happened with Abraham. Verse Genesis 15. Let's go to verse 5. He took him outside and said, look at, the hev- look at the heavens, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And in verse 6 he said, Abraham believed the Lord. Abraham trusted the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. That's like God putting a stamp of righteousness approval on your life. Like this man right here is set right with God. There's just a stamp that says, boom, set right with God. I want that in my life. I want God to find my life approved. Do you want that for your life? Where God looks at you and say, he is set right with God. That has to do with your belief, your trust in him. The Bible says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding, your ways, your way of thinking. But trust in him with all your heart. And he's going to lead you into this path of blessing. He's going to lead you to this this plan, this, this, this path that you have no idea of what's coming next. Of stars and descendants you have, you can't even see. I needed to get out of my tent and seek a word. I needed to get out of my tent and seek direction and trust in him. And when you don't know where you're going in life, what you need to do is pick up your GPS. Now, here's a good tool you can use on your phone. So I know that I I talked about the phone, and sometimes I know the Bible will say, cut off your arm, pluck your eye out, do all this crazy thing. Maybe the best thing you can ever do is throw this phone out the window, throw it into your lake. But I'll tell you, I won't throw it away yet because sometimes we need a GPS because when we're lost, we need a GPS. And years ago, I love the uh, acronym that our pastor used, and, and, and GPS stands for Global Positioning System. 
But this should be called God's positioning system. Where God, a GPS, always cares about, he's only wanting to know what your current location is and what your destination is. That's it. That's all you need. That's all the GPS needs to know is your current location, where you're at right now, and where you're going. Where's your destination? The GPS doesn't have to give you all the directions all at one time. It tells you just step by step. It tells you left and you follow and you say left. It tells you right, you go right. It says go straight, you go straight. You follow the directions of the GPS. And God's the same thing. He's not going to give you all the directions all at once. He's not going to give you all the promises all at once. Because if you did, if he gave it to you, you'd be overwhelmed. You'd be, you can't handle it. He wants to give you step by step, trusting in him. God tells you go to the right, go to the right, go to the left, you go to the left. And if you had the wrong direction, he's always going to be telling you, take a U-turn, make a right, make a left. No matter what, he's always going to take you back to his destination. No matter what, God will always bring you back to where he wants you to be. And he always gives you a second chance. He always tells you you can take a U-turn. You can take this detour and come to the final destination where I've promised you. And there is where you'll have your breakthrough. God doesn't reveal everything all at once. He wants you to trust him every step of the way. And there was Abraham in his doubts, in his unbelief, looking at his circumstance, looking at his inability to see the purposes of God come to pass and saying, no, don't believe your circumstance. Don't partner with that limitation. Don't partner with that way of thinking. Partner with what I say for your life. Come outside, Abraham, and let me show you what you're going to do. Let me unveil to you the incredible, the incredible plan that I have for you. Look at what I want to show you. Look where I want to take you. And today, I believe the Holy Spirit will do the same thing in this place. He will do the same thing in your life. Stop looking down. And God is telling you, let me show you what I can do through you. A person who says, I don't have any abilities. You know, every time God caught somebody, it wasn't because of even their heart or, or their... God grabbed the ordinary person all the time. Even sometimes the undeserving people. People that don't deserve to have the calling upon them. And if you feel like you are undeserving, you're unable... You are the chosen one. You are the one that God wants to call. You are the one that God wants to use. You are the one that God wants to have a breakthrough through you. Oh, if we can only realize what God has for us. If you can just look at what God has for you. If you would just stop looking down and looking up at what God has for you. If you would just grab his word and read it daily. That it may be the first thing you seek for in the morning and you dive into it and you hunger and thirst for it. I guarantee you that as you start to eat this every morning, you're going to start to hunger and thirst for it even more. There's something powerful about this word. There's something powerful about his promise for your life. There's something powerful about his purpose for you. And the more you dig deeper into his word, the more you draw near to God. The Bible says that he will draw near to you. The more you have of his presence in your life, the more desire you want of his presence. 
where you'll be all day talking to God. I once shared with the youth that we're in constant. I'm coming back to the cell phone. Let me tell you, there's a lot of preachers that will come out of this phone because we use it all day long. We, we are in constant communication with everybody. We're texting. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook all day long. We are communicating with everybody around us. The Bible says to pray without ceasing, have communication with God without stopping. And what does that mean? That everywhere I go, I just got to start talking to God and say, God here, um, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm driving. I get to my drive-thru. Can I have some cheeseburgers? Lord, in the name of Jesus. No, God, is not. that doesn't mean pray without ceasing, that you pray every second of the day. Pray without stopping does not mean that. You guys are nonstop on this phone all day long communicating with everybody that you love. God wants you to pray without ceasing the very same way. Every time you communicate with people, there's these short bursts of communication that you communicate with God, with people. And he wants you to communicate the same way with him. I know some of us can, can really get on their knees for about five, six hours and just pray. I'm not one of those people. I got to say the truth. I will just, I, I've got a, um, I don't want to say I've got ADD, but maybe an ADD can kick in at one point and I just get distracted in the middle of my prayer and I'm like, ooh, I just forgot, I'm praying, hold on a second. And I get right back in my prayer. But I can't sit there for five hours and pray. But when the Lord showed me that I can pray without ceasing. He wants the type of prayer, the type of communication, the type of communion that is just throughout your day. And it may, it could be short. It could say, Lord, thank you so much for the job you're giving me as you're driving to work. God, thank you for the wife I have. Thank you for the children I've got. You're so good, God. And you can go ahead and order your fries. You can order your burger. And as you receive it from the lady, you say, thank you, Jesus. Because you've just given me a meal. And you have these communication, these, these, these small bursts of communication with God. And that, therefore, at the end of the day, you've just prayed without ceasing, without stopping with God. You've kept constant communication with Him. And this is what God wants you to do, to trust in Him and have a communion with Him. Have a, uh, a relationship with Him that's constant. And Abraham's heart was like this. Abraham's life was like this. Will you believe in yourself and look at what you possess? Would you look at your family and go, well, that's what I believe. What will you say? I'm getting out of this dependency on me. And I'm going to believe God and whatever he says for my life. Can that be our prayer that we can say, I'm going to believe in whatever, whatever God says for my life. I'll tell you that God wants to grab your great mess and turn it into greatness. I'll say it again. God wants to grab your great mess and turn it into greatness. You may see a great mess, but God sees something bigger. God sees something greater. See, God loves to take the ordinary to make it extraordinary. He likes to grab the small things and make something big out of it. He likes to grab your great mess and turn it into greatness. This Friday I shared with the, the young, with the Life Youth Group, and I shared this message with Living Stones as well. And I brought out a seed, and I gave a seed out to every single person. 
And everybody was holding this little seed. It's a very small seed. It was a mustard seed, in fact. And it was real tiny. It can only, people even said, oh, I lost my seed. And I said, don't lose your seed. But they, everybody had to hold on to this seed. And I asked the question, what is this? Everybody said, it's a seed. I said, no. So I said, what is it? They said, it's a mustard seed. I said, no, it's not. You see, the, what we see is a seed. What we see is, what we see is a mustard seed. But, but what God sees is a tree. God always sees something greater. God always sees something we don't see with our eyes. We don't know. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. We don't understand it. We just got to be like that Jeep, following that GPS every step of the way. Not knowing where even the destination will look like. I have no clue. Abraham didn't know where he was going. He just said, get out of your land and follow me. He's like, all right, I'm going. I'm just going to go wherever he tells me to go. And he doesn't even know where he's going. He's just trusting in God. God wants you to trust in him. You need, if you want to have a breakthrough in your life, you've got a lot to get rid of. You've got to get out of your tent and you've got to trust in the Lord. The people of Israel, and I love this story because it's what took place in my life. But the people of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. And they were taken out. As you know, Moses came, took his people out. And as they reached the Red Sea, there they stood free from bondage, but at a dead end. Like, what are you going to do now, God? And all of a sudden, they turn around. And the greatest army on the earth, the Egyptian army, was just right after them. They put their horses together, their chariots together, and they came with all their swords, all their shields, ready to take their slaves back. And so they, they went, and they were like, what are we going to do? What now are you going to do? And you guys know the story, how God will open up the Red Sea, and the people of God went through the Red Sea. And all the enemies who were right behind him were swallowed up in the sea and they died. And if you're writing notes, you want to write this down. There's always a battle in the brink of a breakthrough. There's always a battle in the brink of a breakthrough. Right when it's about to take place, a battle stirs up right before entering a promise. You're, it's right about to take place and a battle occurs. I'll tell you, the enemy hates the fact that they're about to be set free. They're about to make it to a land of promise. So the, the enemy says, uh-uh, I want my slaves back. I'm going to go after my slaves because that's not right. And he will fight and do whatever it takes to bring you down, to bring you back to that land. But you, but you stand before the Red Sea and you say, I don't know what you're going to do, God, but look at this. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to die. It's not going to work out. See, when we see things with our eyes, see what happens? It doesn't make sense until God opens the Red Sea in your life and how he lets you through and how he destroys your enemies. Let's have the worship team come up. A battle. There's always a battle in the brink 
of a breakthrough. The Lord tells you a promise today when you're in the battle. Joshua 1.9. He says, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Put your name right after that and read it to yourself. Have I not commanded you, Kenny? Be strong and courageous. Stand up. Don't, be, don't give up. Do not be terrified. Don't freak out. I know it seems impossible, but don't be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. When I tell you to turn left, I'm there with you. I'm telling you where to go. Just listen to me. Just trust in me. You may not understand it with your eyes, but take that step of obedience. Don't have partial obedience because that's still disobedience. But have an obedience that says, God, wherever you take me, I know that I'm in your way. Every single command you give me, not some of them, not the ones I choose, not the ones I like, but all of them. I want to tell you something this morning, church. You are a living, you are living and breathing for an incredible purpose. In this place this morning. You are breathing in this place for an incredible purpose for your life. You are alive on this earth for an incredible purpose. Doesn't matter what anybody told you. You got to hear the voice of God, what He tells you. You're not a mistake, you're not an accident like people told me I was. You didn't get here by chance. You got here in the purposes of God. Some of you, your marriages were just in the gutter and the Lord saved your marriage. And you say today, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Lord. Some of you were just lost in your sin. You were in the pit. And the Lord rescued you, your family, your everything. And you say, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. Some of you can confess that. Don't ever forget where the Lord took you out from. Don't ever forget the Egypt that you used to be in and how God set you free from that. And now you get to a place where you say, what now, God? No. Don't you trust the God that took you out of slavery? Don't you trust the God that took you out of bondage of your addiction, of your sin? Don't you trust in God for the next step, for the next direction? Understand there's an incredible destination for you. If you would just trust in him, you will have a breakthrough in your life. He wants for you to stir up within you a greater faith, to believe for greater things to happen through you, not only through you, but us as a whole, a church. God has given us a calling as a church to change the world. God has called us to change our city, to change our neighborhoods. And through God, we will. Will you be strong and courageous and believe in Him? He wants to do greater things amongst this city. He wants to change this city. He wants to bring revival to this city. And He wants to pour out His Spirit in your life. He wants to pour out His Spirit in your environment, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your city.
And he wants to use each and every one of you for that work. You need to believe that, that that's what you're breathing in this place for, for that purpose, for that calling, not for anything else. It's not about what you're going to get. God, I want the great reward for me so I can have a lot in my life. Just give me enough to live for the day. Can you have that heart to say, God, my heart is, I just need enough to live, to be a provider, to give the best to my children. But what I want, God, what I'm interested more in is to leave an inheritance, a, a legacy for those before me. For the children that I have, I want to leave an amazing legacy before them. For those that don't have children, it's time that you become a father to the fatherless. It's time that you become a mother to the motherless. It's time that you become the big sister that someone didn't have and need somebody. And that's the legacy you are to leave to that person. And I know there's some people in this place like that, where they've left a legacy. They've even gone to be with the Lord. But the, the amazing imprint they've left in people's lives is priceless. It's greater than anything. The greatest thing you can ever leave is a legacy for the generation to come. Now, I don't know, as I end today, I don't know what you came with today, what kind of breakthrough you were looking for in your life, whether it was a breakthrough in your marriage, in your family, in your relationships, in your health, in your finances, in your career, or even your walk with God. Maybe you took the wrong turn, and God has been telling you, take a U-turn. Take a U-turn. And he keeps saying it as you, as you, as you mix, miss the next exit. He says, get off on the next exit. Get off on the next exit. Trust in me and come back to the destination. Come back to the land that I have for you. Let there be a breakthrough. Trust in him. Whether it's your career. Give it to him. Say, God, put your dream in me. Put your vision in me. Put your plan in me. Because I prefer your plans because they're greater than my plans. Your ways are greater than my ways. Let's stand here this morning. There's a promise that God has for each and every one of you. Where we stand in our circumstance and we say, I don't know what to do. But I love God's word because he always has an answer for me. Many of us sometimes don't know where to look. But all you got to do is look up. Look up at his promise. Look at his word. Ephesians 3, verse 20. One of my favorite verses. Now to him who is able. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than all that we can ask or imagine. More than our brains can even fathom or think. He can, he's able to do more than that. We think God can do great things. You have no idea. You have no clue. You can't see the stars that he has for you. You can't see the promises even that he has for you. It wasn't intended that way. It was intended for you to just follow him every step of the way until you get to your destination, until you see the incredible gift he has for you. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or imagine, according to his power. God has a power and it's not around you, it's within you. God has a power within you that he's given you. That you're able through that power, which is his power, to do it. It's a grace that is enough, a grace that is sufficient. Trust in him. Trust in him. It's enough. Say, Lord, it's enough of my life. And now it's enough. I know there's enough of grace that I need to make it through a breakthrough in my life. Whatever that breakthrough is in your life, the altar is open. And this is your time to get rid of the lot in your life. You can come up whenever you want to get out of your tent of doubt. This is your time to take a step of faith and trust in Him. And not just stay in your tent, but get out of your tent, get out of your seat, and get out of your tent and receive the promise of God for your life. Don't stay in your tent, but come out of it and believe in Him. Let there be a breakthrough in your life. Don't trust me, trust God. Whatever it is that you're looking for a breakthrough in your life, bring it to His altar. Look up to His promises. Say, I need you, Lord. Make that your prayer as you stand here. You can lift your hands to Him and say, I surrender. And lifting your hands is a form of surrender to Him. And don't just surrender your hands to Him. But surrender your thoughts, your ways, and say, God, I'm done with my ways. I'm done with my direction. I'm done with my belief. I believe in you. I trust in you. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Give it to him. Speak to him. Have that constant communication with him. Be connected with him. Pray without ceasing. Start to thank Him for the goodness of who He is and be specific with your prayers. Say, God, I need a breakthrough in this area. Tell Him the area. Tell Him I need a breakthrough. But tell Him why you want a breakthrough. Tell Him it's because you want to serve Him. Tell Him it's because you don't want to have partial obedience, but it's because you, you want to fully obey Him and His Word. Stop partially obeying Him and stop choosing what you want start doing what he wants you to do as we sing this song the altar's still open if you're still in your tent and you feel you're in your tent you're not out of your tent you can still come to the altar reach out extend your hands and look up to God for he's promised there you great things thank you Jesus the promise of the yes, cross Lord. yes Jesus you gave everything to save the world to Oh